All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? Anna Gasteyer is here today. I think I should mention that now. She's a former SNL cast member. She's also from Mean Girls, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Broadway shows like Wicked and Funny Girl. She's now on the NBC series American Auto, and I had a nice chat with her. She got me laughing really hard. Some good stories. Good stories about stage performing, about Will Ferrell. About, it was... It was a nice chat. So last week, I broadcast from my hotel room in Soho, and many people were upset that I did not tell you the hotel. I didn't want to do that while I was still in it. Not that I don't trust you, but you know what I'm saying. But the hotel I was so uh, ecstatic about and so complimentary of was the Crosby Street Hotel on Crosby Street, just below Prince and that room I had was just stunning. And I, it, there are moments like that. Like, I don't always appreciate why people have rooms they don't go into necessarily. But there's an aesthetic thing. You know, that was a suite. And I, I, I did sit in all the chairs in there in both rooms. But I think part of the thing is I, I have a, either it's a practical mindset or just an ignorant mindset that the general aesthetic of your living space, all inclusive, is something that makes your heart feel good. It's something that makes your mind feel good. It's something that you like to rest your eyes on. It's something that makes you feel connected to your environment. And that's one of the small pleasures in life, even if you have a small place. This idea, you know, I've got to get out of this mindset that everything's just to be eaten. Everything's just to be moved through. Everything is just, let's just get to the next moment. Let's just finish up. Let's finish up here. I've got to take some time to appreciate the stuff. And sometimes when you're in a space where everything just comes together, I get this way in art galleries as well, or large gallery spaces like the Whitney or the Tate uh, in London, where the space or the sense of space or the way it's set up or thought out uh, is one of the great kind of uplifting things about being alive is appreciating space. And uh, I guess that just got reinvigorated. And I, I like my house and I like my space. I don't like it when it's dirty and, you know, I have cats and there's a mess all the time. I don't like it when it smells bad. But generally speaking, it's uh, it's very comfortable to me. And it's also something I engage with when I don't want to think about anything else, which is why I'm thinking about, you know, buying some more shelves, put more records up. I have this mixed kind of, uh, I go back and forth between I got to get out of here, time to start packing, let's go, abandon ship. Get off the burning vehicle. Get out. Get out. Pull your ripcord. Box it up. Put it somewhere. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, you can't bring any of this shit with you, man. Fuck all of it. Let somebody come take it away. Between that and... I wonder if I should get a vase, another vase. There's nothing wrong with having a couple of nice vases. Get rid of it all. Burn it down. Give it away out front. I wonder if these window treatments are exactly the way I like them. Should I get a some more wall art? Just fucking, you know, run, man. Run. Run far. Run hard. I had a good time in New York, as I told you. I enjoyed my hotel. I did a lot of uh, promotional product for the Bad Guys movie. Got to hang out. Got to hang out with Sam Rockwell and... Uh, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing her. Zezzy? Is it Zezzy? Bates? She's great. They're all great. It was nice to see everybody. And then I was uh, 
I flew home on Thursday night because I had to go to San Diego the next day and I was going to fly home that Friday morning and just like get home, get in my car and go. But I thought, no, fuck it, dude. Just take that plane out. Take that last flight out at 9.30, left at 10.20. So I get back at like two in the morning. I get home and I, of course, had uh, decided for some reason when we took off at 10.40 New York time that I would just knock back a, a coffee, not just a coffee, airplane coffee and watch a couple movies the movie idea was fine the coffee idea not great but i did watch the french dispatch and i think arguably maybe not even not even arguably for me that might be wes anderson's best movie i think it might be his masterpiece and i wasn't even going to watch it and i've seen all of them i think i've seen all of the wes anderson movies except for the zazu one except for the aquatic one i'll get on it no spoilers but I just thought, you know, the structure of the French Dispatch, the uh, the way he paid homage to all these different styles, European television, you know, uh, European uh, hipster movies, uh, magazine, writing, all of it, period pieces, stories. It all worked. It all came together. It was stunning, meticulous, as always, but just really a fucking masterpiece. That's my review of the French Dispatch. And everybody was awesome in it. Jeffrey Wright. Wow. Wow. What a fucking performance. Benicio was good. That that girl was good. I don't know her name. She she's a, I know her from another movie. Is she French? That's where my movie reviewing skills kind of taper off when I don't know cast members' names. I also watched Spencer, which to be honest with you is a a poetic meditation on the condition of Lady Di's life at a particular point in time when things were starting to break apart a bit. Not unlike that guy's other movie, Jackie. It was uh, about grief, struggle, trauma, uh, isolation. I thought it was great, and I thought she was great in it. Kristen Stewart, Tour de Force. So anyways, I watch those two movies. I get home at 2.30 in the morning, and I'm like, I'm going to go to bed now. But my cat's very excited. And uh, fucking Smushy, Sammy, Sammy Red, uh, just kept jumping on the bed, jumping on my head, fucking around with things, kept waking me up. I had to put you... It's just so awful when I can't sleep. When you've had a history of cocaine use in your life, and even though it's 22 years behind me, when you can't get to sleep and the sun's about to poke through your fucking curtains, it uh, triggering, man, very triggering. But I kept it together, put some earplugs in, slept on and off maybe two, three hours total. Not great. Had to get up, stock up the fridge, and then drive to San Diego, which in my experience is a fucking shit show. Every time I've gone there, my GPS says two hours and a half maybe, and I'm on the road for over four hours. Esther Pavitsky comes over. She's opening for me. We get in the car. Thank God she was, you know, I wasn't going crazy because I had experienced before. We got on the road at two and we had a sound check at six and we just made it. Couldn't even check into the hotel. And I was exhausted because I'm on three hours sleep. So now I'm punchy and weird and loopy going into these two shows. And I haven't done the hour, you know, in months, not since New York. And Esther was great. Great opener for me. Uh, just low key, killed, did well set a tone that didn't, you know, make everything crazy. And uh, it was just smooth. And I was able to kind of lean into it, lay back a bit and unfold the bits and pieces that I 
had put together before and they were almost all new for me because I hadn't done it in a few months. And for some reason, the venue has a pretty solid hour limit or a curfew in a way for both shows because they have to close the place down by a certain time. So I had to do just an hour each show, which is a great exercise for me because you let me, I'll ramble on for an hour and a half, hour 45, even if I'm not doing well. But the hour kind of got me locked into like, well, this is the job now. Put the special together, man. Put it together. It looks like we're going to close a deal for a special. I'll tell you where. When that's done, and I don't know when it's gonna when it's going to uh, to film, but all my tour dates are wtfpod.com/tour. Got a couple of chunks. I'll try to bring Esther with me as much as possible. Kevin Christie will be with me up in uh, San Francisco and Napa. And again, those COVID rules at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco are everyone needs to be vaxxed and boosted to get in. And I didn't know this, and I hope it doesn't inconvenience everybody in terms of like having to have the booster. But uh, that's what Maz Gibrani told me. He had just he was just there the, the last weekend, and he said, "Heads up!" So I'm giving you the heads up. But again, thank you, San Diego. And the drive back was not terrible. Two hours, it was nicer. I was still kind of tired. All right, here we go. Anna Gasteyer is here, and I didn't know what to expect, but uh, I got some deep laughs in the middle of the thing, and she's great to talk to, and I really enjoyed it. She's now on the NBC series American Auto, which uh, has new episodes Tuesday nights, all right? I'm going to talk to her right now. Here we go. Phil Gasteyer in Corrales, New Mexico? Yep. Former two-time mayor. So, but they've been there for a while, and he's a mayor twice. Yeah. So, it's just is that a hobby for him being a no, mayor? No. So he, yeah. So I grew up in. <laughs> my parents are Midwestern people. Yeah, yeah. Who came to the big city to work in big government in DC? So I grew up in DC. In the big government, the big one. In the big one. Yeah. So he the, went from the, the one that's failing now. Right. He went. Yeah. The um, one that's barely hanging the, on. The crumbling one. Yeah. Um, what did he do in big government? He did. Uh, he did a few things. He started out as a, he worked in um, Senator Al Ullman from Oregon's office. Yeah, he worked in campaign, and then he worked. He worked on the lobbying side because he was a lawyer. So he worked. Um, of course, you could say lobby back then. Nobody would be like the, the, Ad, Adam McKay's mob wouldn't come after you. Right. That, <laughs> like, it, it was. It wasn't associated with horrible things. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was probably. But yeah. anyway. For well, whatever it, it would seem like a justified. It wasn't uh, associated with using the government as a money laundering operation. I, exactly. Yeah. So um, first, he worked for. It's two nefarious things. If you mention them sort of in in a row, one was the. I really think it might have been the corn syrup manufacturers. Oh really? Because uh, they did what they lied about something. Well, no, I mean just when in terms of nutritional hindsight the conversation is that a, the farm subsidies were influenced by the idea that we needed to find different uses for corn oh right right and so we came right. up with corn syrup corn and, syrup, then, and then gas and then ethanol. High, right and high fructose corn right. syrup which we then dumped into everything everything and now we're just a bunch of diabetic, diabetic fatsos <laughs> yeah so <laughs> um and then he worked for um savings and loans and then the savings and loans imploded yeah, that, in, was a, that was a big deal. I remember reading about it in the newspaper. Yeah, it was a big deal. Um, <laughs> but my parent, you know, he's a very, he's a very kind of moral, ethical yeah. Democrat. Yeah. I mean, they're lefty. Yeah. De- you know, and they're both, to- they're together? They're what, still together. They've been married 62 years. Wow. Yeah, they're very yeah. happily married. I'm super lucky that way. And they're, they're just were, hanging out in Corrales. And so, yeah, so they moved, 
we owned the, the point I would say about my dad and the savings and the loans. We yeah. own the movie, and my parents are they're they're mildly into pop culture, but nothing like yeah. other people. We own the movie. It's a Wonderful Life. Growing up, not because of the magical tale of yeah. wistful recognition of things you might have not appreciated, yeah. but because it's the best representation of savings and loans in American cinema. Because of that scene when the building and loan goes under, yeah. when the stock market crashes, yeah. and then George has to explain that he can't give the money back because the money's in so-and-so's house, and the money's in, that's how a building and right. loan works. So yeah. my dad loved that because it represented the best of the s- sort of savings and loan as a yeah. as a micro-lending institution, oh, basically. Yeah. So he watched it regularly. So we would watch it every year. Yeah, just mostly for that scene. <laughs> anyway, so the savings and loans fell on their face, and it was very, it was a real bummer, if you believed in the yeah. good part of them. And then so my dad um, was general counsel for the U.S. Savings and Loan League, and he sort of saw the writing on the wall that savings and loans were going to be a thing of, yeah. of yore yeah. and retired at 59. And my nice. mom had already moved out to Corrales. She she took, she took was an art teacher, but she's an artist. She's a, a, a ceramic artist, really full-time. She a studio over there? Oh, yeah. And a million kilns and a million, really? yeah, a lot of mosaics. Does and she, Does she make, oh, she does tiles too? No, she does that from the stuff that w- is broken. Uh. But um, no, no, she she does, um, she's an incredible watercolor artist, oh, so yeah. a lot of her work, she I does like sculpture, pots. but she does pots and she does I like bowls pots. and yeah, I'll, I'll I like send you. A, I'll, I'll send you some Mariana Gasteyer. Really? Yeah. I'll Is she famous? I mean, to me. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it was pretty cool because she just was like she she took a sabbatical and was like had been teaching for twenty five years or something. Uh-huh. They had d- driven through Albuquerque and yeah. stayed with distant cousins, right? And had made this comment like to themselves in the early twenties, like, "Oh, we want to retire in Albuquerque." I have no idea why. Wild. Um, I kind of so, want to go back there. Yeah. So my mom then was like, "I'm going to go do art in Albuquerque." I I don't know why. It's beautiful sky there. It's, it's very inspirational. Yeah, a lot of art comes from there, especially those earthy arts. A lot of the earthy arts yeah. come from there. Um, the earnest arts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, the earnest arts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. It is really an American melting pot, multi-culty vibe there, which I really like. Like, there's such a sort of um, distinctive relationship with Native American roots, and with the Latino with culture, the Latino culture yeah. with, with the Hispanic American culture. Yeah. Like, there's, it's really cool. So they've been out there that long. So you kind of did you, but you never really grew up there. But you've been going there forever. I've been going there since I was an adult. Like, since I, they went basic, they moved there right after I finished college. So their whole third act has been there. But so my dad served on, he was the planning and zoning commissioner, which is a big deal in a small town because it's all these things, these variances of who lets people build things, can you do it? And it's a manageable job in a town that size. So it was. Yeah, yeah. they're about 8,500. And he has the legal background so he could like read the fine print and understand what he's talking. And he loved it. And then he was on the city council and they asked him to run for mayor. And then he was two time mayor. Yeah. And then, um, he did one more term at council after, <laughs> and now he's just, and now he's now he's got now he's in two book clubs. <laughs> That's it. I just remember yeah. like I had two friends down there, and their parents were like old hippies and, mm-hmm. and weirdos. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, 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 at those houses, I kind of have this vague memory of these hippie houses down there. You would like my mom's house. It's very specific. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. I'll say this into the microphone, knowing my father's listening. It's terrifying <laughs> thinking of two people in their early 80s yeah. with a wobbly brick floor and adobe walls. Yeah. And like, I mean, oh, they got one of those good ones. They're one wipeout away each, you know. But it holds up there. It's not, there's no earthquakes yet, and there's like no massive. No, but they, I don't know if they're going to hold up. It's like, yeah. there's no, when I try to explain it to people, and I'm glad you understand it, they don't have a driveway. Right. They have like, yeah. 
Like if one of them needs a walker, uh-huh. it is the most. You can't roll a bag from the car to the front door, right? You know, and yeah. they tr- and they converted their garage into my mom's studio. Sure. So even if you want to go through, you have to. It's like a, a landmine of pottery yeah. and clay and dust and kilns. Well, that's. I guess that's one when, when they'll make the renovations when the walkers come. Then they'll finally. Uh, they put, put the in driveway. grab bars. My dad's like, we've got grab bars. Yeah, it's fine. That's hilarious. And they did get a big TV. We talked them into a big TV like because big they screen, do like the, big movies, ass. Yeah. Well, not as big as like LA, but yeah. like, it was like 55. Oh, that's inches. big. Was yeah, pretty, yeah. They were pretty excited. They're pretty daunting TVs. They like, are. It was a big adjustment for me even to get my first big one. You're like, holy shit. But you know those smart ones, yeah. for the, especially for the for the olds. Yeah. They're great, yeah. Because you just click to the home and you find the thing. And they, my parents are pretty ahead of it in oh, terms good. of knowing. Oh, they're like, that's good. What is Netflix and what is? Yeah, my dad's Hulu. still there. He's still in New Mexico. He lives up by the mountain. Oh my God, is yeah. he a hippie too? No, he's a, a, a <laughs> sort of a retired in uh, in uh, shame surgeon who's like slowly losing it. Happens. Yeah, it does. But your parents sound like they got it together. Well, they have each other. Yeah. Well, he's got a wife, but like I don't know. It's like when it's scary. Old, old, old is scary. I know. <laughs> we I, could talk about this for hours. I mean, could. it's kind of all I talk about. It's, it is. It well, just because I'm at a point in my life where, you know, I have a child that just left for college, right? And I have parents that I, I live really far away from. Right. I hate that I live really far from yeah. them. Um. And I was raised, we were raised, so I think it was like such a, it's such an American way to like grow up and leave where you grew up. Yeah. You know, like it, the, the dream is that your children will leave. <laughs> right. But you grew up in D.C. So we're, grew up you, in you live in New York now or around yeah, there? I live in New York. In Brooklyn. <clears throat> in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're there. But like, what, are you obsessing about age? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not freaking out too bad. I'm not obsessing about my own age, yeah, but I that. am mm-hmm. wanting, I'm looking around and I'm seeing, I mean, so many of my friends are in situations with parents that have crisis that right. they're suddenly dealing with that they don't know how to deal with and navigate. And I think the only answer is, well, my husband's family did it so obnoxiously effectively. Really? Um, with, the, with his folks? Yeah, like his dad just like, Took it upon. He had a bunch of pre-death meetings. He's very organized. Um, <laughs> pre-death. <laughs> there meetings. was a binder. There was like a death binder. Really. And my husband and his sister would go there. Down. To D- he grew up in DC too. Like, yeah. Go down. Mo- I mean, once a month or something. And right. All the paper. He's literally his obit is written. Wow. His headstone is carved. I don't even know if I have a plot. I don't. I don't either. Yeah. Um, I don't know where my dad's is either. Everything's super organized, and yeah. he's like. He and but here's the thing, and this is my pitch for myself and yeah. for you. He moved into a place. The old man, his old man. Yeah, yeah. at eighty-five. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. But he downsized from a seven-bedroom house to a you know, thousand-square-foot apartment with white carpeting. They yeah. don't have carpeting because yeah. of the aforementioned wipeouts. Yeah. And um, well, that's why they have it. We. What I, I keep telling my parents, and they don't care, is what was so beautiful about it is in the planning of it. Yeah. We got to. Go through the house, break down the house, get rid of everything. With him. In the with him yeah. in the absence of grief. Yeah. So you could look at these collections of like Oh, that's a good. You know, idea. like wow, that was a fun time. Yeah. We don't we yeah. don't need all these books, you know, whatever. Like we don't need the the Beerstein collection and anymore. He was like, from okay. No, I mean he felt that. He yeah. was like, I did that part and yeah. I'm now ready to move on. Like there were wedding pre like he's divorced, you know, like we were like 
things from their wedding that he's like, I'm not going to throw a party for 40 years, for 40 anymore. Like, it's just, I'm not going to do that. I'm 85 years old. I look at my stuff like that now. Yeah. Like, what am I doing with these books still? I know. He has the largest collection of books in North America on the Spanish Civil War, which there's like, there were. Do you take those to the apartment? (laughs) It's just those and a teeny little bedroll. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and a hot plate and he's happy I, why wouldn't he be um no i think he gave him to his his it, alma mater but it's anyway. devastating yeah no, so no. but i have watched him thrive yeah. in the most beautiful way because what i watch and that my parents again don't believe me about this because they don't want my mom so averse to the idea of moving somewhere organized around her age yeah but what i see in him is that the absence of stress i see him not worrying about right. The that, plumbing. The plumbing. And oh, that tree is hanging really low. I should oh, call he, someone to have them bring. Should I do you think it's like all of the like, oh, you know, the, I've got to do something because it gets so icy on the yeah. steps every year yeah. and blah, 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 whatever it is, you know. I think that's probably why a lot of older people hurt themselves Be- because they don't do those things. And Correct. eventually the reason they have to move is they've broken everything because they fell down. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I know. I told my mom, I'm like, you're not going to move. You're not going to do anything. And then you're going to have a fall. And then that's it. Yeah. That's, how, that's why so many people are eventually, that's but the last also, thing that happens. It also sounds like this guy's got a pretty good mindset around the death thing. He's so insanely practical. He's like, you know. It's, it, it, we should of, be practical yeah. about it because it's like, it, it's inevitable. You should be able to wrap your brain around it, but it's hard. It's very hard. It's the worst. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. But he's very much like, I mean, aggravatingly like, well, you, you quit smoking, you put a rubber band around your wrist and you snap it every time that you have a craving. What's the problem? <laughs> the problem is you don't know me. <laughs> and that's not going to like, do But what it. about the crying? What do I do about the crying? And what do I pr- replace it with? <laughs> what else can I shove in my mouth? Yeah, exactly. It's, that's the, that is the big question. That really is the question. What else can I shove in my mouth? I just went to New York for two <laughs> days, and I'm like, I'm like, I feel disgusting from eating. Well, yeah, because I was I was managing the, the weight, and I was like, I wanted to lose a few. I like to be at a certain weight, and I finally got there. But as soon as I got to New York for like two days, I was, it was like I'd never eaten the before. bacchanal. Yeah, oh, it was just like yeah. I couldn't stop. I know. That happened. I feel I always would compare myself. Uh, I always thought I was female and hormonal, but it's like a bear breaking into a camper. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Just and it a felt violent, so good. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ripping shit out of the cabinets like I don't care yeah just eat it eat it and I, I feel the shame while it's going in like I'm not I'm enjoying it for maybe a second it's simultaneous yeah it's ruined by shame I'm like I'm like this is amazingly I'm terrible but so I always have the logic in a place like New York where yeah. if I were to, that I would be like well I'm walking it off yeah you didn't work not. it didn't work no yeah but you're not really I mean I exercise I know what is yeah. going to lose weight yeah yeah you know the 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 six blocks with the two slices of pizza, not going to do it. Yeah, but weren't they good? They were good. They were good. Where do you get pizza? Well, I live in Pizza Central. Do I you, li- though? I, do you st- but, like, Joe's? Do you go to Joe's anymore? Like, yeah. Like it's funny. Carmine? It's so funny that you said that because I had a... Th- what was I? I was doing something in the city. Oh, I had a gig. Yeah. And... Um, singing? Singing. My, my I wrote a Christmas album that I... I know. I listened to some of it. Sugar and Booze. Yeah. So, speaking of putting things in your mouth. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah, I, do, I did shows this, uh, this Christmas and my... 13 year old who is literally growing an inch and a half every day is it's an ins- <laughs> yeah. he's almost 511 and yeah. he's 13 he's yeah. just like keeps growing he's yeah. a little yeah bean pole and he was so hungry and my husband was like I'm taking him to Joe's on Carmine yes. 6 yes yeah. oh, old school the best NYU yeah was music always the thing 
Um, I'm such a weird... Well, it's starting to make more sense. I started as a musician, no doubt. When like, was this? I mean, the thing that I... When you were a kid? The thing I do well yeah. first yeah. was to sing. When you were like, what, high school? Yeah, uh, middle school. Do you have like, brothers and sisters? I do have an older brother. But he's not in show business. No, he's a professor. Of what? Sociology. Oh, nice. It's a good balance. Oh, sociology is a good one. It's like no math. <laughs> he but, teaches at MSU, so he has like all of the basketball players. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I love him. I like the whole idea. I just got a letter from from a sociologist who said that he was using bits and pieces of my podcast. I believe it in his classes, and he he wanted to know if I had time. Maybe I'd uh, you know talk to him about Where? something. I, I don't remember. I got to look it up. Yeah, you should do that. That'd be nice. Is it? Yeah. Um, He's an agricultural sociology, so he teaches at MSU, which is a farm school, really. Like Agricultural the, sociology? Because his thing was, he went to the Peace Corps, and he lived in West Africa for a long time. Then he lived in the Middle East, and his work is with um, basically s- water uh, water access in communities. Okay, okay. So, okay, so, so as a result, when he went into the study of sociology, it yeah. had to do with how groups align themselves around farming and water that's interesting i guess i mean i'm making a very general it's more specific than I'm that i'm sure it but could be deals- more specific but i like i'm i'm kind of grasping it they're really helping the world he and my sister-in-law she's a law professor and they're, she, they're, she they're taking care of it she is yeah she's okay. she's basically changing literally her research is changing the conversation about jury selection and as race impacted by race in the death penalty Oh really? It's, they're amazing. So I just make fart noises and ask if this is a good sound on my kazoo. <laughs> I keep it light. <laughs> but your heart's in the right place. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. It's very selfish. Um, That's it, though, isn't it? But and then, but you think you want to think that you're doing things. I've been doing a joke on stage about just the. We all know that the climate is like we know it, mm-hmm. and none of us are taking any sort of real position. And, isn't that the don't look up premise? Well, kind of, but like, but in the back of your head, you're sort of like, well, that, doesn't that Swedish teenager thing? She has it under She'll control. She'll get it. Yeah, She'll exactly. Do it. Greta's got it. Yeah, that I mean, kid, that Parkland kid, will yeah, deal with the yeah, guns. There's nothing I can do that she's not doing. That's how I feel about the gun kid. Yeah. I don't want to get in her way. No, no, yeah. she's busy. She's got stuff to do. I mean, the worst part for comedians too is like, I guess I'll host your benefit, <laughs> and they'll be like, really? That's how you're going to contribute. And I have friends that are like, and then you bitch about that. Yeah. By the way, you agree to do it, and then you're like, oh fuck, fuck, I have to yeah. do this benefit. They're going to be eating. I know. <laughs> so awful. And I have had the thought, you're like, God, I wish I was so rich I could just write this check. Yeah, I don't know. I I I, tr- I do give to charity. Yeah. Yeah. And I have specific ones I give to. And one of them is the... Uh, Are they the, all feline? <laughs> one of them is. Yeah. One of them is the Carolina uh, Tiger Rescue. You bet. They have a they rescue big cats and they just take care of them. From, I think that's awesome. From roadside attractions or idiots who buy tigers. Because you can just buy... I bet tiger. there are so many of those people in this country. <laughs> I swear to God. You know, because before the red state, th- blue state thing really they don't happened, think ahead. They're just well, like, just it's be- cute now. There's tons of that. There's yeah. tons of snakes like that yeah. too. Yeah. Because before it was actually people who were storming the Capitol yeah. and not. Yeah. Before we were it was in people who owned Democrats tigers. and in, yeah. yeah, we used to watch that show Doomsday Preppers because yeah. it was uh, awesome. Yeah. But it was incredible. We had like a running tally of the number of people on Doomsday Preppers who sustained their habit through exotic animal breeding. Huh. It was an amazing percentage of those people who like had a basement full of iguanas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I think about that? For the aftertimes. Have you, right, but have you ever thought like, who the fuck wants to live? 
Like, you know, these people are like, we got to survive. It's like, I don't want to be around. I don't want to be part of the post-apocalyptic thing. Well, this is the problem with The Walking Dead. It really illustrated a lot of that to us. You mean we're never going to be able to avoid it because we're going to come back as zombies? No. (laughs) Meaning it just, I mean, you know, it took me an embarrassing number of episodes before I was like, oh, it's the people. That's who we have to be afraid of. (laughs) (laughs) Our neighbor. But, but, you know, I went to, um, I was on tour with Sugar and Booze with my Christmas record. Yeah. And would you bring a combo? You bring a little orchestra? I, How many people? I, I do five on the road, and we're at eight in New York and L.A. What's that like? Uh, so I can have a proper horn section. My, oh, I right. have a really big singing voice, Yeah, meaning, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's big. Would you consider it cabaret? Not sugar and booze. I mean, it's throwback Yeah, right. But um, the thing I like about the Christmas, like thing yeah is it it's sort of answered a, a problem that i was trying to solve so to go back to answer your question about i was music. Like, about music yeah. i the first thing i did that i knew what i could do that other people couldn't do well yeah. was sing and, yeah. and not in a way of like i thought oh i'm so special or anything like that it was just like i would imagine if like you're a an athlete or something yeah, you got a knack for it you're somebody's natural. like hey you got and i remember the moments of like teachers and things like and and class you got it kid yeah just being like give her the solo you know yeah. and and registering like oh that's weird okay yeah um and so anyway i sort of i loved it and i did it more and more and more and i acted too and stuff in high school but um i didn't it's weird my parents are very uh they're very cool yeah but I was not, I did not grow up in a world where you could like, I didn't think that I could go do that for a Be living. an entertainer? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not that level, especially yeah. those words, like then reconciling. Everything you did had to be a little bit smart. Right. And a little bit academic. Right. Um, and my parents are like, opera buffs, they're cooler now. Like they watch- Opera buffs. Big opera buffs. So real, real hoity-toities? Yeah. So like my first professional job was in the children's chorus of La Boheme at Washington Opera. And mm. then I played the child ghost in Macbeth, Verity's Macbeth, uh-huh. at the Washington Opera. And I was in like 19. Big. Those are, it's a big room, right? The Kennedy Center Opera oh, House. It's chem- oh, it's the yeah. Kennedy Center. It's an opera house, yeah. It's amazing. It was massive. Um, it's so exciting when you're a kid and you're at like the stage. Like, I still think about it. Like, I was just on, I was just in San Diego at a little theater last night. That, that moment that one enters a stage is so wild. We just... <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah, I know. I had I did Wicked the show. The, did you do it like be in in like when it was being put together? I did Wicked in Chicago. Okay, right. Well, At no, the I beginning. mean, it was the beginning. It was the third company. Oh, so I auditioned for Alphaba the beginning, beginning. Yeah, but it was right after nine eleven, and oh. I was still about to do Saturday Night, my sixth season. Yeah. And I was pregnant and I hadn't told anybody. So I, it was like not a great time to be preparing a, a giant belting number. <laughs> also, to be t- totally frank, I couldn't, I didn't know how to navigate that kind of singing yet. Because what I did was musical. Like, m- musical. Because mm-hmm. I'd just been doing comedy singing yeah. at that point. It was the sit down production in Chicago. So Chicago had never had its own original production in the Broadway world of a musical. Yeah. They, they since have had Hamilton and a couple other, but that's it. So usually just tour shows like coming yeah. through and leaving. Um, so it was really cool because it was like a proper production Yeah, and we did it for a very long time and then I went and did it on Broadway. Anyway, I had done one million performances <laughs> Yeah. And all you think about when you are singing like yeah. that every yeah. day is sleep. Because right. it's the only thing, like, you're, it's just the most instrumental piece of getting your voice where yeah. it needs to be in the, it in the morning. and healthy. Yeah. So at one point, the doctor gave me Ambien. 
<laughs> which yeah. I can't believe is legal. I yeah. literally can't. There's no time at which you bring up Ambien with anyone yeah. that they don't have the most horrifying story you've ever heard. Like yeah. Yeah. right up there. Go, going shopping like, naked. Yeah, literally somebody said, oh, my, my business manager murdered her husband on Ambien. <laughs> like literally just people like drop that kind of thing as though it's casually. Yeah. And you're like, why? How is this legal? <laughs> I don't understand. Like the COVID vaccine took that long to clear and yeah. everyone still takes Ambien. Anyway, I took Ambien. Yeah. And it does knock you out. Yeah. Um, shopping naked. Eight, eight hours of sleep, whatever. And I started to drop out. Like my brain was losing lines. They would come back. Yeah. But I ran on stage, my 955th performance. <laughs> and the thing about Wicked is like, so she cut, she's, she's an outsider when she first enters. And yeah. it's all these kids at Shiz University and they're on the other side of stage. Right. Like, so be, and they're all staring at me. And it, I, it was like an hour. It was just an hour where I was, I fell down into the well with really baby Jessica. Yeah, I was down. I couldn't, it was like, and I, it was slow motion. Like when you can feel your neural <sighs> pathways going like, <laughs> it was like that. Yeah. And I remember staring at them and them looking at me like enough of a, you know, the beat passes. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the adrenaline, the sweat, yeah. the cortisol, the hot flush. Yeah. Thank God I was green. Yeah. And then another beat and then they then the registering beat when they look at you and they're like what the fuck is going on and then i said the line yeah and then felt the relief they replied and then i couldn't remember the next line yeah same thing oh no I did it ultimately, but it was one of those. It, it's hard to explain. Did in anyone a way. have to sort of like do that weird thing where they feed you the? Maybe you should. <laughs> no. Oh, good. They couldn't have because yeah. they were people who weren't. You know, because you go to that place in your mind where you're like, "How do I justify this in character?" Which is also so weird about theater. I was on stage once with an actor, a yeah. famous actor who had a stroke. Oh, yeah. What <laughs> is it a secret? It's not a secret. Oh. It's it was Tony Roberts actually. Yeah. Um. And it was a play. Is he still around? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, he was fantastic. But it was the most incredible thing to watch the experience of people continuing to behave like assholes in character. Right. <laughs> like behind the and he, fake he, fourth wall. Did he go down? No. Oh. He entered and he spoke... Like a broken, it sounded like a record going backwards. Yeah. But he still was delivering lines in in comedic cadence, and the audience was laughing. It was gibberish? Gibberish. <laughs> and he got oh, like no. three or four lines out where yeah. the audience was like, ha, 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 <laughs> yeah. that was a rhythmic joke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. he was like, how does this happen? And, and then it started to go to like, and oh. Well, then we also, and then John Glover, who was on stage with me, went hustling over in character. That's uh -huh. the other part. You're just like, and yeah. we all maintain character. <laughs> like, that's when you look back and you're like, theater's insane. It's, a, <laughs> it's like a bunch of people dressed up in like period costume and hats and man having a stroke. And, and all of you rules. are like, well, I think we have a little problem here. I'll just see you to your quarters. You know, like whatever, trying to like help one another. And then meanwhile, and what then the it, curtain goes down. Right. <laughs> what did what did Glover do? He, went he like a, he went and took his arm because he. That's what it registered for me. It was like, oh, his blocking is off. Like he's going. He acts, but he was acting. He was uh, such a pro that he was acting through his stroke. It was uh, insane. And then the curtain came down, and then it was like, is there a doctor in the house? Kind of thing. And uh, then absolutely everybody. Um, fulfilled their like showed why they were cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the the 
you know, like the ingenue started crying right away, oh, and like funny. the yeah, the, yeah. the the old diva. It was this play called The Royal Family, which was written about the Barrymores. It was a parody that Kaufman wrote. And yeah, like the old diva was like, I'm feeling a little peaked. You know, it was just there. Everybody was having like their moment. It was amazing. That was the show backstage. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Oh and then he was back on. He was back on stage within like a week and a half. Oh, so it wasn't a, a big. No, one. no, no. It was good. It was good. It's it's so funny because the, when you think back on it, the stakes are not that high. Like in a sense, that's what I'm saying. You you could yeah. just be like, "Can we stop the show?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah, like the half the house of I old people. I forgot my lines. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I know it was only three hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> oh well, that's a bit much. Yeah, I guess that would mean. Yeah, you got to struggle my, it here's out. Here's my other weird showbiz story that yeah. this isn't even like. But we, I did this. I did a musical, another musical on Broadway. This uh, perf- <laughs> show of. Uh, the Three Penny Opera, which everyone's done in college and high school, so everybody—I I don't even know it. I like—I had to ask Tony Kushner the other day to explain to me what Brechtian was. Um, well, it's a bummer. It, it's really, in my opinion, should just be studied and not done. Uh huh. But that's a very yeah. Now I'm going to get canceled. Yeah, by Tony those, Kushner. Those Brecht Tony people Kushner. are going to come for my ass. <laughs> the Brechtians are, the Brechtians, are brutal. No, they're rough. They're, yeah. They used to be a little... Yeah. yeah You're never going to be able to do off-off Broadway mm-hmm. again. Or college production. Yeah, ever. I will be asked to leave. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to ask you to leave. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> anyway, so we did this Brechtian... We did this production, and yeah. it was like, you know... It just was a misfire. Like they, they were trying to be sort of edgy on Broadway, which is always a tricky thing because people are paying so much. That's money. That's always the one they do, though, isn't it? Three Penny Opera. Isn't always, that, yeah. Because everybody did it in college, and that's and there's music in that, right? Yeah, it's Kurt Vile. Right, it's, it's, it's like the peak snob sh- factor. Uh, Mac the Knife is in Mac the Knife. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. and it's it's brilliant. Again, though, I think I would rather read it or listen. Yeah, to or it. study it. Or, or like, study it. Yeah. yeah, yeah this, I think is, I would, this is why this man was important to many a long time ago. Yes. Yeah. And the whole con- I'm sure well as your good friend Tony Kushner explained like the, the breaking <laughs> of the wall and sort of all of the like um contra uh the aggression and that it was so much of it was about things that we're worried about now, right? It was about right. uh fascism. Fascism. Yeah. yeah. But the director was not really interested on that side of it. He 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 didn't really want to focus on that. And so it was just a very sort of a aggressively fancy downtown uptown production, which kind of was a misfire. Uh-huh. They were like drag queens, I mean, whatever things that people yeah. were like. That's yeah. quote unquote edgy, um, and that's fine. Whatever he was trying his own vision. Sure, but they they did this thing with I have a giant voice, as I mentioned. Yeah, it's just loud, and yeah. they amplified everybody in this kind of caustic way. Is that part of the art? It's part of the art. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And um, it was kind of abrasive. And Ben Brantley said something kind of like Onagastar sings with the sound of a thousand trumpets. <laughs> it's like something, not sure if it was a compliment, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, hmm. that's what critics do. Yeah. I think that's good. Is, you? That, is that good? Trumpets yeah. are, people like trumpets. Yeah, a lot of trumpets. They do announce, announce stuff. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> <laughs> just like de- debilitating yeah, conundrum. Friends, that's, they're like, no, I think it is good. I think that, how could that be bad? <laughs> Except for my dad who was like, you are loud. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so anyway, the like week we were about to close, and it definitely was one of those shows that yeah. just didn't, for me, was not a happy, fun experience. Like the closing notice goes up and yeah, yeah, people yeah. are crying and stuff. And the whole time I'm like, yes, like by myself in my <laughs> yeah, room. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. It was fine. I'm grateful it's on my resume. I learned a lot about yeah, music. Brecht and that. Yeah. And, and the vocal was actually amazing. But um, the sound system went down. Uh-huh. The like four performances before the end. Uh-huh. And this is going to make you feel really smart. Yeah. The sound system went down. 
and there was a long wait. It was like 12 minutes with the curtain. And then finally, the announcement came up saying, ladies and gentlemen, the sound system has gone down. We would, we will have to, you can stay and see Mm -hmm. the show without amplification. Yeah. Which in the year, whatever that was, is sort of unheard of. Everything on Broadway is hyper-miked. Yeah. Everybody's like fed through the mixer. And they're like, they, they said, they were like, you'll have the opportunity to hear a song, hear these songs without, without amplification. Like, like and, um, the and way it, they were written. Yeah. And, and Studio 54, which is a former opera house, like, it was kind of amazing. And pe- the audience went crazy there. And like 12 people left and got their money back. They're like, you can have your money back if you want. Anyway, it was, it ended up being, first of all, just a mind-blowingly fantastic performance because it was stripped so much of the artifice of fake sound. Yeah. We had to like stand off stage. And like do crash boxes and crowd noises, and because all the sound effects were out. That's great. And then even things like, you know, the announcements for you come for the stage, like it's your entrance from the stage manager. Like if you're up on the third floor, we all had to be really present. And it ended up being so accidentally Brechtian, where everybody was so aware of the architecture of the theater of it, yeah, that it it was like the one of the best nights in the theater that I've had. It was wild. That's great. Why wasn't Ben Brantley at that one? Well. And he would have found that I also sing like a trumpeter <laughs> without <laughs> amplification. Yeah. Not a thousand, though, just 500. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what? going back to the music, so when you graduated, what, college? So I went to Northwestern as a voice major. I got in as a singer. Were you doing comedy, too? So I got in as a vo- voice okay. major. Earnest, yeah. the most earnest bunch of humans you've ever met in your I life. I can't imagine. It was... Uh, it was Stultifying, <laughs> and there was a moment where there was a man who came in to teach overtones yeah. in an ethnomusicology class. <laughs> it's not funny. I don't know why. I, should, I, mean, it, I, I don't even know what it means. Anyway, an overtone is a thing that's this when you hit one note and another yeah. note resonates above it. Okay. So this man had studied overtones in Tibet, uh-huh. and he just started chanting, like out of nowhere, yeah. and he didn't have like a discursive style, so he just would. <laughs> in the middle of the speech and I became unglued and I was asked to leave the lecture um, <laughs> and that's when I realized I shouldn't be a music major <laughs> this is are not my people <laughs> so <laughs> you could stop laughing I could not stop laughing I had like a church laughing attack because this guy was like <laughs> in the middle of it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life so I was in school in Chicago and obviously improv is big there and yeah. I started I joined the improv group and I was like aha I just found my people yeah. and so um, I ended up just getting a regular old theater degree and a bossy <laughs> a bossy friend told me to move to LA yeah. and then Kathy Griffin told me to do the groundlings <laughs> yeah my life is a series of bossy yeah, people responses yelling at you. she literally yeah. was like why aren't you doing the groundlings I don't know what so I did it uh, we met at an audition like, yeah. and she was we just spent the day together. I really liked her. And so she was like, go take the, do the groundlings. And so I did the groundlings. Did she go all the way through the groundlings? Yeah, she was groundlings yeah. forever. Taught yeah. there forever. Um, and then oh, that's right. I, I would sing, like I would sing in bits and stuff, but I didn't really, you know, I, How, didn't, so, I, I, I didn't think I was a singer anymore. I smoked a pack a half a day and all that. But you were having fun. I was having a great time. And it was like, I, I don't, I've never been to a groundling show. What? I know. Why? Are you too cool? No, I just, I don't go out much. But I mean, they sound uh, hilarious and oh amazing. Oh my god, I, I I have such a fondness for that place, and I have a fondness for it because it is not cool. It has never been cool. Yeah. And because I was gonna do the second city, and I went, and there were like two women in the company. They seemed kind of overshadowed. Remember, it was the '90s, early '90s when I graduated college, '89. Yeah. And 
the Groundlings was just like wigs and glasses at a good time. Like the, I, I, when I first went to a show, there was Jennifer Coolidge, Lisa Kudrow, Mindy Sterling, Heather Morgan, like these hilarious Heather Morgan. How's, I wonder what she's up to. Hilarious women. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I want to do this thing. Yeah. Kathy Griffin, just yeah. big, loud, funny girls. Karen yeah. Mariama. And so I did it. And I remember the Northwestern crew, like the improv people. Yeah. They were like, mm, oh, right. we don't really want to do the Groundlings. Yeah. Yeah, that's not my thing. Yeah. And so, you know, they were like too cool. And then, so I well, did. Well, that whole Chicago improv scene is rooted in a certain hipness, right? Oh that whole, God, what, Del Close so, and all that yes, shit. It's so cool. Yeah. It's also, and I'm, I, it, I thought I, I tried, I tried desperately, yeah. but it didn't, I just, you know. You, tra- and you then, did your, did your time doing heralds? Exactly. And so <laughs> I, again, I did two levels of the, of the Groundlings. Yeah. And then I did like a, the people who are teaching there have to come vote on you like, yeah. to move you up. And again, <laughs> Kathy Griffin, she called me up and she was like, I don't understand. Why are you wearing wigs and glasses? It's the groundlings. <laughs> Why aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Because I thought it was, I was being cool. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, She was yeah. like, do it or don't. And I, re- I remember being so grateful for that. It was like, is, if it's not cool, like fucking lean in. It's yeah. fun. Who yeah. cares? It's fine. <laughs> wigs and glasses. It's loud and uncool. Yeah. So I did that. Yeah. I, and I, I, I. And that was it? The big breakthrough? That was it. And then I moved to, then I got SNL. Because that's what Lauren says. How do you feel about wigs? Like he's asked men that. I've known two men I've interviewed. Really? Where he's asked him about wigs. It's funny because he has really strong opinions about wigs. Like his his eye for wig detail yeah. is excellent. It is. Where he'll be, and, and funnily enough, like there's, <laughs> I love SNL. Yeah. My favorite thing about SNL, like I look back on it is, there's so much righteous indignation there in costume. <laughs> yeah. So there's always somebody like crying in a polar bear outfit or like, you know what I mean? There's so much like ridiculous. And I remember Will, when we did these these middle school music teachers that sang together and Will Farrell, we wrote with Paula Pell. Yeah. And he, we decided very early on in the writing that he had a bald pate and a full wig, I mean a full beard and, and mustache. Yeah. But that he was fully bald, but with full <laughs> facial front, frontal right. facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, Lauren didn't like it. Like he yeah. just had an opinion about it, yeah. and I just remember the furious <laughs> moment where Will was like, "I'm gonna take a stand. I'm gonna take a stand." But like with the spirit gum, and it's like his mother kind of stuck, you know, and like storming the castle dressed as like a middle school music teacher in a bald wig. Yeah, in a bald wig. <laughs> so funny. Did he win? We won. Yeah, we oh, won. Yeah. We took a stand. So, what was your process of getting SNL? It was just like they were casting, and, and you... Will recommended me. I didn't know him. He was like ahead of me at the ground. Farrell? Yeah, but we had done a Thursday show maybe together or something. He's so, how is he so fucking? He's funny? so fucking funny. I can't. I don't even. know. He's the funniest, funniest, funniest person ever. And then, and and he's so on purpose with it. Like he can turn it on and off so quickly. A hundred percent. And also, just um, a guru. <laughs> Yeah. He was then, and he yeah. continues to be. Of, he's not spent a whole lot of time sweating his process, like sweating his the. I mean, he was one of the first, and it, it paid a, out so beautifully for him at the show. It's such a natural thing. Like, he's so comfortable selling. He's so comfortable I, failing. He's really comfortable. That sounds like so process. He's got to be great failing. He's so comfortable failing. But he, you know, I, this is a story I've told before. Yeah, and it's really not mine to tell. But I just find that it's. <laughs> but so, I like that you've done it many times. Well, I mean, I've. Do you preface it that way every time? I don't think I've said it in po- oh. that the Tony Roberts story on this. Or I've not said on a podcast. Meaning, I tell them at dinner parties. Yeah, maybe, but um, it's nice that you have friends. But I, I try. <laughs> the the thing, 
I, th- I think about this a lot yeah. as a parent, and I probably fail at it. And as a person, as yeah. I try to learn to wear more wigs and glasses, kind of lean onto that side of things. Right, it's important. Because right, to... I did come from Smarty Pants Town. So even I catch my, like, I had an interview on NPR this week, and I catch myself, like, trying to sound Oh, yeah, you were doing, and, you doing the thing. Yeah. No, just like the, it was such a, I, my childhood was one of real academics and intellectuals yeah. so i always have this pressure but i'm not really like that so it's this combination it's but creative people right i mean you did come from supportive creative people yeah creative yeah. people for your yeah. mom does the pots and the paintings the pots and the yeah yeah that's true my dad's super funny like so, in real life yeah. but anyway this is a really interesting thing to me yeah. about will and this sort okay. of explains everything to me Kay farrell his mom one time told me that in middle school yeah Will had qualified for the gifted and talented after school enrichment program. Yeah. And she signed him up. Yeah. These are kids gifted and talented. And the the scheduling came in and she was looking at it and they suddenly realized that there had been a bump where Will had uh, proactively signed <laughs> signed himself up for square dancing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For like and he was really actively bummed that he would have to go to this gifted and talented thing after school instead of square dancing uh. and so because she is the awesome human that she yeah. is she was like it's up to you you decide and she was like and he chose square dancing <laughs> and that to me sums up why will is the most amazing because he's like what why would i go to do this these math games yeah. when i could be square dancing man <laughs> So I always try to think about that. Yeah. Like, what's the? <laughs> what's we spend the, a lot of time in our lives. The key to will not doing the fun. Yeah, we do. I can't identify it all the time. No, it's really hard. You know, like I like I'm now that I'm old and I've, I've saved some money. I'm sort of like, well, now now I'm just gonna. Yeah. What? Air fry. You're gonna use your air fryer. I warm. I like to cook. Like yeah. I do because I'm I have an eating disorder. So I like to spend the entire day cooking. Like I run a restaurant. Just to think. <laughs> Just things that I can eat all week without feeling bad about them. I like that. Yeah, it's a. That's it, healthy. You have a good mindful yeah. relationship with food. I do not. I do not. But cooking I, is very mindful. Right, but I, I just need things like what if I just need to compulsively stuff my face? Oh, I see. So you're like, feel, how many Brussels can I eat without vomiting? <laughs> something like that. I, I'm very into this red cabbage slaw right now. Yum. Yeah. Last night I took an active. <laughs> Huge bite yeah. of my second dinner. Yeah, because I, because I'd flown on the plane and had dinner, and then I had another dinner after I landed because it landed. You gotta eat, I, eat I something. Did I, did I wasn't that. hungry at all. Uh, Charlie, my husband was meeting us at our hotel. You're eating like, the second dinner, not hungry. Not at all. Not remotely hungry. And he brought Shake Shack, so it's already like not a healthy second dinner. No, no. And I took, I took, I took, I turned to my husband and, and my son, and I was like, I just took a bite, and I had the unconscious thought. I feel so sick. I hope I can get this down. <laughs> so why am I still eating? Like, it was so... Like, I actually had the thought, like, oh, my stomach feels distended and uncomfortable against my pants. <laughs> but I got to get this down. But if I do this right, I can get the rest of this burger in. <laughs> so yeah. it starts by identifying. It starts by identifying. That's, I did that the other... I just, like... I was in, you know, and it was the second night from, I'm dr- flying back from New York and I had, I was in the first class, you know, the flagship yeah, Admirals oh, Club. And, but I could they eat gave in the, you the dinner. They give you the dinner before. <laughs> I've only done it once, but boy, did I tuck in. Yeah. So I ate that whole fucking dinner and yeah. then I got on the plane. And, and they, they had a dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but do you do coffee? What are your other things? Uh, yeah, a lot of coffee. Do you drink? No. Don't drink? Sober a long time. 
So you got to find other things. Gotta, what's, <sighs> what's to put in the mouth? But coffee. Coffee. So much to the point where I, 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 I tip over into a paralysis. Like yeah. I'll drink so much coffee yeah. where I go into you flip a, the a, mild, a mild seizure <laughs> where, where I'm just exhausted. What about the mushroom coffee? No. I switched to that and it made a difference. Really? After three. Yeah. I do You want to know why? I do a little tea. Because so when I was shooting American Auto last summer, I- I watched it. I was mentioned on one of the shows. Someone was You were. It. They're like, Marin's on a rant. Yeah. Baron Holt said it. Yeah. <laughs> he pulled his AirPod out. Yeah. It was really funny. I thought that was nice. Good reference for those of us. Yeah. Who know. In the in the, in the, in the cast world. Um, so this no. is a mushroom tea? So- It's supposed to be good for you, I right? I made a promise to myself. Okay, so what happened with COVID is, you can't just walk up to the craft services table during COVID- such a, that's and a, take a big coffee cup and fill it with Swedish fish. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you have I, to I, that's ask. Terrible. So you would have to say to the guy behind, "Could I have two <laughs> Starbucks Grande cups of Swedish fish, please?" Because <laughs> because I hear we're going long. Yeah. So that <laughs> I decided I was going to try to address my relationship to sugar on. Yeah. On, right. on campus at work right. by just Co- the COVID was the window of opportunity COVID I was like since I have to ask for the the shame the double grande <laughs> the shame the shame exactly yeah, yeah. I'm gonna see if I can get through long shooting days without a sugar hit yeah and so I switched to I asked the catering guy I was like, or the craft services guy I was like there's this mushroom coffee it doesn't taste like mushrooms it tastes like coffee it's like it's like adaptogens oh. and it gives you a little bit of brain happy it does yeah it mm. makes you super alert okay like those lion's I'll mane try it. try it okay you might like it so when you're into SNL like I for some reason when I was looking at all the characters because you did a lot of funny ones and I don't know that I've ever <laughs> I hope so I never <laughs> This and all the unfunny ones are not something you want to talk about. No, after. but you were like you were like a real you were big over there. You were not like marginalized. You were like I had a good big. time. Yeah, for six seasons. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, but like I don't know that I've asked people this. Like when you and I don't know if it's from improv skill or what. How do you do impressions? Like do you focus oh, well, on? Well, I'm not like an impression. I mean, again, but even when you do other people though, is it yeah. is the idea you have to find the thing? Yeah. Right. Yeah, look, I mean, if you're going to talk to Daryl Hammond or, or Jimmy Fallon, those guys are, they have, they're, have a, they're savants. Right, no, I get Really mimics. special. Yeah. They're mimics. They yeah. have a thing. I mean, Daryl especially, like. Well, there's a price to pay for that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But when you would write with yeah. him. With Daryl? One would write with him. Yeah. I, I would hear him use syntax and vocabulary I had never heard him use conversationally. As another character. Yeah. He channeled like a whole other person. Right. Literally. Yeah. It's a really wild skill. And and Jimmy too. Jimmy has an ear for like, the, and so does Steve Higgins. I mean, there's a yeah. few people I know, but um, from that world. I, I mean, the rest of us, I would say the Groundling style people, Molly Shannon, me. I mean, I want to speak for everybody, but Will, I feel like we would find our way into the, what the character was or the bit. And, and you know, like. I only did sur- I only did impressions in the eleventh hour from my audition because I heard that I had to have a- impressions yeah. and the people write to them. Yeah. So a lot of it just comes down to like, what do you who do you look like, yeah. and what are the thing. This is like the most erudite asshole thing that I did. But yeah. for my impressions, I did. Um, well, I did M- Martha Stewart because I found her really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I still do. I yeah. kind of worship her. Yeah. Have you met her? Oh yeah, many times. Yeah. But she's. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say we've like. 
had cocktails together, yeah, yeah. but I, I would love to. Um, There's certain people like like her that are so like you know do so much stuff and and are so influential and have all these you know odd talents, but there there you just you sense there's something in there that's sort of like a little. A little off and a little scary. You would have to yeah. be. You're talk about void filling. Like people who, I don't know if you feel this way, but like so I hit. You know, I got SNL. I yeah. did my six years, and then there really is this moment where you're like, the people who then move on to the next stratos stratospheric right. level in their yeah. careers. You're like, wow, you're hungry because I, I am I tired. Yeah. <laughs> like I, this is good. Like I know some people recognize me. Sometimes I get a good table. Yeah. At a restaurant. Yeah. No, I get it. You know? I get it. I, I, I'm I, not that ambitious, but I like. I clearly need to be busy. Yeah. But you've, but you've got a family and you've got kids and you have things that you like to do, right? I also have a bifur- bifurcated career. So I actually have been really busy. Just no, in I know. All I of these, see that. No, no, no. I'm not saying that defensively, but what yeah. I mean is that I... P- people from TV maybe will say like, where have you been? And you're like, right. well, I, well, I did five Broadway shows and I wrote two albums and I toured toured with the band so I'm always sort of like doing something yeah, right, but they're exactly, like five exactly. mountains that I'm trying to climb concurrently but what are you, you know? judging against though when you say someone leaves SNL when, and moves on to like movie stuff? well I just think or? when I left SNL yeah. in particular in the 90s it was just like yeah exactly explosive right. you know careers, lo- careers. Yeah. like movie star yeah. the standard the, the, the standard bearer was like Sandler yeah. you know what I mean yeah. at that time were you on with him? No, right after him. Okay. But, you know, the guy would have, like, for years, yeah. he did three $20 million movies a year. Yeah. You know, huge movies yeah. that everyone would see in a movie theater. Yeah. Whether or not you like them. So, I mean, the, the, the idea- You had to go. It wasn't a matter of like- <laughs> I, I mean, by the way, I don't even know if it's like, I'm not, who knows how, what his drive mentality was. I just like- I don't, yeah, I don't know either, but I ask myself that all the time, too, because I'm working at w- whatever my bifurcated career is. I do when I have opportunities. Stand up and Stand up podcasting and some acting and, and the yeah. podcasting. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, but I am in a position to not have to do things. Right. And I'm just one of those people that's sort of like, well, that's great. You yeah. know, like I don't have to do it, but there are certain things I want to do. But I still always wonder about people that keep doing it when they're not doing anything new with it. It's like, why do you just keep doing it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's very specific people in my head, and there's a certain amount of resentment behind it. So I, I can't wait to hear you talking about when we sit on the porch. Can you tell me? <laughs> no, it's just when we have the, porch time. Okay, all right, it, but you know what I mean. Yeah, just sort of like if you if what you're just sort of like taking up space. How much money do you need? I know. You know, I do know, especially when you get into lifestyle branding. Oh yeah, I don't know what that's about. I mean, when I would very would much love to see life. a Mark Marin uh, line at Walmart. I'm not going to. I lie. wish. I wish I could do that, but like, what? I don't have. I, I'm not going to invent anything. I'm not going to hire a team to create. What am I going to create? But they don't invent anything either. That's what's sort of amazing. The number of people out there that are like, oh, my jewelry line, and my makeup line, and my thingy line, and my debit line, and my my you know hair product. And my, yeah. There's nothing new. They're not reinventing the wheel. They They're, just put their name on it. Yeah. What the hell could I put my name on? Well, uh, let's start with cooking utensils. Really? Marin at home. Okay. Uh, maybe there's a few. How to use the same spoon for everything? We could do that. A multi. <laughs> we could do a multi-purpose, and then we do a fun little video on TikTok with you all. The, that's uh, that, I didn't have done TikTok. Fifteen have done, seconds. Have you done it? I have people trying to help me to do it, but yes, I'm on. Are TikTok. we supposed to do it? I, Is there a point where you're like, I'm a grown up, and I don't. I don't want to do any of it anymore. But my numbers are still so fucking in the middle that I, I want, I want, I want to be on. But what are you TikToking for? The new, the American car auto yeah, show, American oh, cars. Oh. American American Auto. That, that's another old guy. Cars tonight. Thing. Cars tonight. Uh, American Auto. The honest. It comes really more from my 
own well no that's not true I mean because I wrote a movie with Dratch this year and produced it so I think anytime that you make something that you you're, you're doing something I think what I what I was reacting to is that you were clearly judging yourself against these super hyper ambitious people that have humongous profiles but people like us we chip away we're busy we do things totally we get, you know we have audiences yeah you know, we enjoy you yeah. know, all different things yeah but we do not get appreciated at the same level of those people well, I'm sorry. I'm going to do a lifestyle brand. Okay. <laughs> what should my thing be? Something uh, maybe musical. Maybe you should do a, a, a line of harmonicas. No, but a children's musical instruments. That's not Xylophones. Bad. It's fun funny things. because in my show, my sidekick band leader ha- plays a glockenspiel that I bought him on Amazon. Right. That kind of stuff. It's Amazon's choice. I think kids stuff is good. You like that stuff? I do actually. I can I've never seen that. Are you are you sponsored by Bronner's? Not at all, but they we 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 have a relationship with Bronner's and we we help them with a book pitch and they sent me I have like literally a hundred that's of nice bottles of that. I do I love that peppermint. There's a I think I have a lavender one too. That's a pick me up right there. Yeah, sure. Peppermint's good for a minute. I mean, it's yeah, not no, gonna, it's true. Not going to carry until you through. sag again. So all right, so your relationship with Lauren was always good. Yeah, I would say you're it's... like one of the you had fun and you have you have nothing but warm memories. I don't have like it. It was very professional. Is what I would say, and you were professional, so it was fine. You didn't you didn't go there looking for parenting. You went there to to do the. Thing. I was, I was there at a time when women. When I first came to yeah. Saturday Night Live, women were so, it was so presumed that you were going to crash and burn and be destroyed and shoot up and eaten up, eaten up by the yeah, by the show yeah, that I had nothing, nowhere to go but hope. So. You know, I got there and my first season was Sherry O'Terry, me, and Molly Shannon. And the three writers were uh, Lori Nasso, um, Cindy Caponera, and Paula Pell. And that was it. And we were so overrun yeah. by Brohams. Yeah. Um, that. It, the, the way people talk about it, it almost seems like it is a conscious competition that those dudes are out to crush. It's a very aggro, like hetero. I mean, it's changed a little, but it, yeah. it's a very hetero sportsy kind of mentality you know um totally i mean and you know he's from a school of thought that's like the art of war and who lauren Lauren. i mean it's it's an older management style that was very popular at the time you started the show like you you, out of competition breeds excellence yeah and he's not totally wrong right but um like i had people come up to me i remember a a comedian came up to me on the street when i got cast and was like i'm so sorry you got cast you're so good (laughs) Like the assumption. Right, yeah. So I would not have, my point is. A lot of women have crashed and burned on there. That, that was the assumption. Despite their amazing talent. I was right after like Janine Garofalo and Keitlinger and like really talented women yeah. had come through. Um, I know there were like chapters at the very beginning and obviously Nora Dunn and, and Jan Hooks yeah, were incredible. Yeah. But but mostly women were sort of a, uh, not the star, you uh-huh, know. Uh-huh. So we, I just didn't, I was like, well. I'm going to try this and yeah. I, I'm a very, I was a good student and I'm not, um, I, I didn't, you know, I, I don't know, that's what I mean by I was prep, I wasn't going to be a problem for yeah, Lauren. Right. Like yeah, it wasn't yeah. that, I'm not that rebellious. Yeah, but you were funny too. So that was good. That I counts su- for something. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a lot. I had a lot of support from early on writing. Yeah. I, I wrote with amazing people. Yeah. I wrote with, you know, McKay and yeah. and uh, when Tina came, I wrote with Tina and I wrote with Stephen Craig. I wrote with Paula Pell all the time. All the girls did. She's yeah. a fucking genius. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it, there's good people there, sure. you know, and yeah. you collaborate and you find your 
carve your path. You know. Now, did we, did you find that when you got out, did, was there like a, a time of like depression or like you like the one thing or? I wish that I the sadness no because I was the first person to have a baby right. that was the other thing so I had a baby and I left to have my baby yeah. and, and the little bit there had been like a gauntlet thrown down like let's see how this goes if you have a baby and come to work and yeah. Lauren was very nice about it he was like we'll write for you yeah. you don't have to write but I also knew that the nature of the show was not to do that like yeah. I was like I'll, I can't stand I felt good about my work when I left I felt right. like I wasn't I left with plenty of good work in the bank yeah. and it wasn't like d- diminishing returns which yeah. can happen I think yeah. and um I didn't know what to expect out of parenting. And so I was just like, I just didn't want to try to prove that I could do the show and be a mom at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Now I wish, though, that I had hung around because a really kind of incredible season for women happened then. You know, I mean, I don't mean season like that television season. I mean, spiritual season was coming in because Amy Poehler's last first year was my last year. So then it turned into this like. Amy was there, Maya was there, Tina was there, yeah. Rachel was there, um, Kristen Wiig came in. It was just like a cool, yeah. again, representation matters. So there was like at a point of like six or seven women, it was a lot, yeah. you know, compared yeah. to the three little paltry chickens in the corner. Yeah. So in retrospect, had I, I wish that that might have been nice to be a part of, but also I have to say, psychologically, back to Will Ferrell and Square Dancing, yeah. I, that's my one regret, is I don't think I learned how to have fun there. Yeah. I was so afraid of not failing. Right. I was that's what yeah, it was. It, yeah, and yeah, so that's yeah. why I did theater actually. Yeah. Because my thing was the best you do at SNL, because it's it's kind of rough if your brain works around failure at yeah. all. Yeah. The creative part's amazing. Yeah. But the the best you could do on Saturday was to not totally fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like to pull it off. Right, right. If you pulled it off. Well, there's like because of the converging on the liveness. Yeah, all of it. It's last minute and thing, whatever. Um, And so theater was kind of like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A savior? A a, salvation. Yeah. A a, a salve. A salve. Because you you could do the show and you could do it again. It's it's for OCD. Like it was just, but then that goes too far that way. So it, it gets very like. I can do this, I can fix it, I can do this, I can fix it, I can do this, I can fix it. And then after like years of that, like I started to go insane because I was it was so regimented. Yeah, yeah. So then I really was like that I, I had my son and then I was just sort of desperate to get back to half hour television, which I actually think is the happy medium. Yeah. Because you are living inside one character who you get to know and you understand their nuances. And there's new stuff. And it's they, fast. Yeah. It's not like turgidly slow with a long fucking process that right. for comedians yeah. is painful. Yeah. Because Charlie, my husband, would always make fun of me because I, I love theater and I love theater people. Yeah. But there is this like, there, there's a, it's earnest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rehearsal yeah. is And it's long. a community, you know, and it's like, yeah. It's long, long. And I would come, every time I've started a play, I've come home and my, I've been like, oh, everybody hates me. And Charlie's like, what do you mean? Are they laughing at your jokes? Yeah. And I'll say, no, they're not. And he's like, right, because they're doing their job and you're doing bits while you're doing your job. <laughs> And he's right. Like yeah, comedians are always doing two but things. That's at the, the fun. Same time. That's the fun. I know. So um, half hour television is a nice place in between, and writing and making stuff. And the, and the music's a nice way to blow off steam and, and release that you have so much control over. It's great if you can sing. It feels great. Yeah, it's fun. But this new show, uh, American Auto. American Auto. It's sort of a nice approach to that odd fish out of water corporate person. Like it's like it. it there's something uh, very funny about that character. Oh, thanks. And and also the setup of it to be actually to have that much power and just to be thrown yeah. on to a major corporation. Well, and funny. don't you know people? Thank you for saying that. I mm. mean, I think and also 
It is. It comes from there really is a school of management that's like, my job isn't to know how to make cars. Yeah. It's how to sell cars. You know, like th- yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. her attitude is. She's from Big Pharma. Yeah. She's got big swagger. But it's so funny because it's like, you know, in, in any other discussion about that person, it'd be a villain. Just a horrible <laughs> fucking... <laughs> so like the fact that you've got to bring, you know, charm and humor and kind of this kind of goofiness to someone who's like, no, nah, I was a big pharma and, you know, I it's was true, successful. I guess. Well, yeah, it's kind of an interesting take on something we usually associate with just horrible people. That's really interesting. No one said that yet. Oh, really? Well, it's funny because I think I'm thinking about workplace comedies. I'm thinking about like Michael Scott and I'm thinking about how hey, he's a terrible person. Michael oh, Scott's terrible. a terrible, terrible person. Yeah. But again, because it's Corral and because it's dudes, I don't know. Like, I feel like guys have been afforded that a lot, but like, but, like the, you but know. even the original office, when you watched Gervais do whatever the fuck that was that he was doing. Yeah. Like horrible. What is it? What? Yeah, I know. But it's, it's the, but beyond cringe into this other zone. I know. <laughs> so likable because you find yourself, you um, feel bad for him. You feel it, bad for him. That one episode where he does that dance. Yeah. It's over. And not knowing all the, all the, this, and I think Justin Spitzer, who wrote, who writes American Auto, the yeah. creator, I think he does this really well, writing situations wherein people are like fumfering and bullshitting what yeah. they don't know. Yeah, and it's so common at in oh. in workplace in the workplace because world. You, you can talk in the jargon. There's people that just yes. do that talk. I can't even tell you I, how many. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. When because Rachel and I wrote a movie, and so I had to do a lot more sort of as a producer grown-up stuff where I would talk Which to actual... Movie? We wrote this Christmas movie called A Clusterfunk Christmas that we did last oh, year. Yeah. It was um, a parody of those Hallmark, cheesy yeah, Hallmark yeah. movies. Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. super fun. But, a lot of sweaters? Uh, <laughs> a lot of sweaters. A lot of sweaters. <laughs> a lot of Henleys, too. A lot of men's <laughs> yeah. Henleys. Uh, um, anyway, it was amazing. We would get we would get letters from, like, or emails about yeah. things that would be 100% jargon where I would not understand... I would have to like decipher it, like like a more like a code. All they're doing is they're 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 sending out dispatches to displace blame if the shit hits the fan. Absolutely, that's right. the entire equation of that bullshit. So I, I said right. we sent them an email, kind of discussing that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, we it's not on us. We, yeah, we, no, and we we covered it. Yeah, we, we sent we, them we, an we incomprehensible we're, we're, we're bunch gonna, of bullshit. We're gonna circle back and. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll touch base around that later. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to kick this down the road. We're, we told him yeah. we're, we're we're in the we're in the paint with you. What? <laughs> yeah, insane. It is. Um. Anyway, but you like doing it. I like ensemble stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. working with other people. I like the energy yeah. of lots of. It's funny too because this show and the show I did right before this had. Um, Which one was that? It was this show called People of Earth? That, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Was about. Um, abduction survivors. It was a support group. So we had these like epic scenes with all 10 of us. I like, yeah. ran the support group. Yeah. And it was like in both situations, the show was like, I know these days are really long in the conference room. I'm always like, but that's all <laughs> like, to me, that's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Because we do bits. Yeah. We fuck around. You get yeah. to know the, and you don't have that like all day with one other actor going to the chairs. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. it's like 10 other, but you never, no one ever fights. Right. It's nice. Yeah. And I like the like energy. part of a group. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're happy and working, and you and you still <laughs> seem to be in touch with and friends with a lot of the people from the old days. Yes, that's nice. I try to be. Well, I know a lot of people you talked to. Like, I it really was heartbreaking to me. It took me about a thousand episodes of the show to realize that people really don't hang out with each other after the movie's over. And then when I did some acting, like you don't talk to those people really. I feel like you really get one a show, maybe. Yeah, but who you're really friends with? Yeah, I yeah. would say one. SNL's different. And it it is. Well, you a, feel like you've been through something traumatic. Together. You have you've there's trauma bonding for yeah, sure. Yeah. 
Um, there's also just like mutant mutant bonding. Yeah, like yeah. The, I, you know, and yeah. and to his immense sort of a, probably accidental credit. I mean, Lorne is very loyal, and he the that he stayed at the same place all this time. So he considers everybody who comes through this like tr- he has this tribal. And for years, you, you can rail against it in therapy, whatever. Like yeah. you're you're in the fucking mafia. Like you you're not allowed out. So right. yeah. So um, once you kind of surrender to that idea, it's actually kind of great. Um, yeah. Because the resources are extraordinary. Like, it's it's literally one of those therapy things. Like, Wait, what? you mean you can go eat over at 30 Rock and stuff? No, meaning <laughs> like, I mean, it took me a long time, I guess. I should just speak for myself. Yeah. I don't know what anyone else feels there because everybody's so unique. But realizing, like, I went through my phase of like, I don't want anything to do with the show. I don't want to yeah. talk about the show. I don't want to. Yeah. Why people yeah. always want to talk about the show? Yeah. Why do they always want to interview about the show? Yeah. And then eventually you know, being like, oh, well, but if I need help. I don't know, uh, directing my first music video. Oh, I'm going to call Yorma Tacconi. And he, oh, yeah. yeah, he'll do it. And we'll, we'll do it. We'll do an amazing music video right. that we know organically the skill set is so fast and so like, oh, I got my neighbor's baby. We use my neighbor's baby. Like yeah. the sort of yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy right. speed with which we get right. it done. Yeah. And the sort of elation of making something quickly, ridiculous and yeah. fun. And definitely like b- writing the movie and ra- with Rachel, it, you know, just like the yeah. the immediacy with which you're like the, sure, the sensibility, the shorthand. Yeah. Did you know Hal Wilner? Oh, very well. That's yeah. So sad. Oh, horrible. Yeah. Like everybody, like I, don't, I didn't know him, but he seemed like an amazing music person. He was just an amazing everything person. Mm. Just like a, Again, and all those people who walk through that space in this own sense. Yeah. Also, it's just full of, frankly, anomalous, truly anomalous weirdos. Yeah. That Lauren's given a home. Yeah. And made space for. Yeah. And well, that's nice. Nice. And way to look and their skill set is utterly anachronistic. Like, there's no point. Like, if you go to SNL, yeah. you, you see a lot of the cameramen. Yeah. They come from live TV. Like, there's pictures of them with old Norelco cameras. Like, right. You know, the, the, they all shoot well, the think, Macy's Parade and, and, yeah. the foot and the Super Bowl. I interviewed Lauren, and it really, at the end of the day, he's a guy that is he produces a television show, and he works. He's, that's his job. And that's how he sees himself. Yeah. It's like, I'm here. This is my building. Where, this is my yeah. office. Yeah. And I've worked here for a million years. Yeah. Like, he's... Like, he... Like outside of being a billionaire and a genius, well, he sees himself on a practical level as a, a utilitarian kind of. I'm a TV producer. Yeah, he's a very that show has grounded his life too. Mm-hmm. Can, you know his routine and all that. He's a very routine person. Exactly. Yeah, but it, it's wandering those halls forever, and it made me look at him totally differently. It made me look at. I used to think he's like oh, this all powerful thing. It's like no, he's just this guy. Yeah, that's wandering these halls for 40, 50 years, however long it's been. Almost fifty. It's amazing, but I get it. So, like, once you're in, you can have you have relationships with all these different people. Yeah, it's just the amazing. Yeah. The, I mean, not not that you're friends with everybody, but there is. I'm I actually the first time I met Sandler, I had just left the show, and we sat down. I don't even know him that well. I know yeah. I'm surprised it came up twice in one conversation, but we were at the opening of some Broadway show, yeah. and he sat down like down the row, and yeah. we just looked at each other, and he was like, "I know, I know, I know." Like it just you have this instant with anyone there, Bobby Moynihan. Like right. I, I, I think understand. I embraced him on the street. You know, yeah. The, the the Kate McKinnon turned around the first time I ever met her, also in a theater, and she turned around to me. She was like, "Do you ever not know what to write? Like, do you ever not? so the the immediacy of all of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah. that you like stay yeah, great yeah, friends yeah. with him. I happen right. to be very close to." A bunch of of my female cohorts, because there was an active recognition at a certain point that we were so our experience was so insanely unique. Yeah. Um, especially the women who followed me that um, we share we share kind of almost a support group. But sure. um, who's we, in that group? That's like 
that's a lot of the the Betty White gang. That's that's Rachel and Poehler and yeah, Tina right, and right, Paula yeah, and yeah. Uh, Emily Spivey and the Wine Country Girls. And, yeah. and um, that kind of just emerged out of like again because of all Lauren would have all of these reunions and sort of the shared like Amaya. It's too. it's nice. Yeah, it's it, like this. Uh, it's it's uh, like it's almost like uh, like a school, like a, like that's a, exactly what it's like. Yeah, or an army troop. Or, yeah, yeah. People have those. Yeah, that's, I I don't know that I've really quite heard it put that way, but I like it. All right, so what are you gonna do now? Where do you go? What after American Auto or Life? Life. What are you gonna? You're gonna. You're in L. A. For what? You're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl for NBC. Yes, my overlords you? invited us. Are they? <laughs> it's awesome. We, the swag is making me laugh so hard. Really? Do you like football? Not really. Yeah. I I love all. I do have like a an enthusiasm for like the Super Bowl of each thing in life, and yeah. I feel like Charlie and my I, my husband and I have been lucky to get to do like because of the Three Penny Opera. Like we, we went, we, I presented at the Tonys, and yeah, yeah. you know, uh, I feel like we've got we got to go to the SNL fortieth, right, right. and yeah. we got, we've been to. He's an advertising. We go to Con has this advertising explosion like every year that that's oh, like you go to Con. We've gone to Con for the you know Montreal yeah. Comedy Festival. Yeah. Like I love these things that are like the creme de la sure, creme sure. of the thing. And you can just be there and eat some stuff. And they're all the same. They have yeah. like the hospitality suite, yeah. a bunch of parties, yeah. and um, and the specific crowd that does it every year fascinates me. So it was so funny arriving NBC. Like I'm, they invited us out, and we're the, we're being arranged for through all of the other like advertisers yeah. and stuff that are going. Yeah. Because I think most people are in LA already. Anyway, so we we they happen to bestow upon us the swag bag for yeah. the advertisers, oh. and it's like these douchey wraparound glasses, <laughs> yeah. like the you know, <laughs> like a <laughs> a backpack cooler, a Yeti cooler. Tyler was like, "This is." I mean, it just makes me laugh because each thing is its own little world. That's yeah. We saw a bunch of guys in the hospitality suite with their Yeti backpack coolers, oh, yeah. like heading out for, to golf. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. It's another world. I man. love it. So I wish I, sh- I could show you randomly. So it's one thing I love about American Auto. I have my NBC Universal ID. Yeah. And there was a mix-up, yeah. and they ended up using one of my like corporate pictures that were the stills for my for, office for the, yeah, as yeah. my character. Oh yeah. So it's like this insane corporate. Portrait of <laughs> my character on my real ID, <laughs> so I look like Joanne from you know Human Re- yeah, Human, Re- Human Resources. Great. Yeah, I'll give you uh, I'll give you some swag. I'll give you the oh uh, yeah. What's my swag? What's the Marin swag? Uh, swag. Uh, it's a a hand thrown uh, mug by a guy named Brian Jones. Really? That all the uh, guests get. That's beautiful. Yeah, I nice. didn't realize the ceramic arts were such a piece of your story. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, and there's little pictures of the cats, the original crew of cats, and my face. And you know, I'll show you. Okay. And I'll tell you who I was. Thinking What's your about. relationship to Brian Jones? He was a fan, and he offered you know to make mugs, and it, originally it was just for guests, and it, occasionally he'll do a run of them for sale, and they disappear within. Seconds. I'm sure. But it was uh, he just was wanted to be do something f- with the show. That's really cool. So he created it. I love it. All right. Well, have fun. Get out. No, it's nice talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That was Anna Gasteyer. Yes. Great talk, right? The show American Auto is on NBC. Look for it on your NBC affiliate. Do you still say that? Look for it on your thing. Stream it. Do whatever you got to do. All right? It's on Tuesday nights. It's also streaming on Peacock. Now I'm going to do a long guitar thing. I kind of got into it. I got into it. It's, It's crunchy.
Boomer lives. Monkey and La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere.